Talk Realtor podcast. I'm your host, Nick Baritor, licensed realtor with Howard Hanna. What happens when your realtor is not listening to you? Today, we'll pick up right where we left off with Brendan. He was just telling us about when he chose to give up on his realtor and look for a house himself. And now we'll hear part two. And I think it's sad because I think it's a misconception. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm glad you bring that up because I do want to make that point for everyone listening. I know that my experience is not typical and I by no means want to convey that this is how real estate agents are. I think I had a streak of bad luck. Yeah. I think I took some, some bad recommendations on folks that uh, I was maybe urged to, to work with. But uh, again, I, I don't at all want to paint the picture that this is what all real estate agents are like, because I know tons that are not like this. But to your point, it was very frustrating because I felt like I didn't have that team. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I know the industry, but I'm no expert. So I was trying to do the best with what I could, what I could find on public apps. My old college roommate, luckily, is a real estate agent out in Buffalo. So I'd call him up because he's got access to the MLS and be like, hey, man, can you run this property and, and send me whatever you got? Yeah. But it was uh, it was a pain in the ass to mm-hmm. be blunt with it because I felt like I was on an island. And I mean, it is what it is. I, I got through it, ultimately right. got pretty fortunate bought a house that, uh, that worked out real well, but there were probably better options out there that I didn't know about. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of frustrating. I mean, I try not to dwell on it, but right. Um, yeah, it's frustrating. Yeah. It's frustrating because there's a lot of time involved too. It's not a quick process to buy a house. No, it isn't. And a lot of times when you're working to see a house, you have to make accommodations, maybe duck out of work early, take some PTO. Mm-hmm. So when I'm doing that, now I'm frustrated because I got to burn PTO or sacrifice some overtime just to be shown a house that I already told you I didn't want to see. Right. And then it's hard to, from that point, again, maybe I overanalyze, maybe I'm a little too harsh, but then it's hard for me to me to want to talk to you about anything else because it's like, shit, I told you this so many times and we're still going down the same rabbit hole. At what point is it on me to shut up and just figure this out myself and right. stop wasting time? Right. And, you know, I think... Unlike you, if I was in your position and I already went through one agent and I went through another one and I was on my third, um, I would have just found another way to do it myself. That's just personally how I handle things. Like, let's just say I'm looking for like a grill or I saw like the online price and I go into the store and they're telling me it's a different price. You know, now I'm starting to like lose trust or we've all been in those situations where we've tried it one time. We've tried it twice and they say three strikes you're out. So I would have find a way, found a way to do it myself. And, you know, you have every yeah. right to feel that way. I hope it sheds a light out there to, you know, buyers and sellers that, yeah, you can be involved in these situations where you just have, you know, agents not listening to your needs. Um, I don't think it, this needs to be one of those conversations of, oh, well, you know, there's a lot of good agents out there. It's just a few bad ones. no. It's reality that you need to know how to, um, you know, voice your opinions because like you said, Brendan, you're the one who has to pay the money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I felt a lot that, that, that message just seemed to be missed by everybody else that I was talking to like, Hey guys, this is all great. I don't have $150,000 to spend right now. Yep. And, um, I think a, a mistake that I made, which is why I'm so private about my finances now 
is when I got pre-approved by the bank, I just handed that pre-approval letter over to the real estate agent. Mm-hmm. I got pre-approved for a lot more than I wanted to spend yep. because I, my mom's a CFO. I grew up like she was more cool with cops showing up at my house and telling her that I jacked something up than me wrecking a credit card debt. <laughs> I remember one time I didn't make the full monthly payment. I got charged interest and she blew a gasket. The cops would knock and she'd be like, God damn it, Brendan. Um, <laughs> so I didn't, because you, you see a lot of times, I have no idea how banks figure out what you can get pre-approved for. Because I knew what I was making. I knew what my wife was making. I knew what our debts were for student loans and just cost of living. And they were like, yeah, hey, you can buy a house. You will approve you up to like 180,000. I was like, hell no, that's mm-hmm. no, yeah. no. I'm going to be able to make the payment and then never turn the gas on, never turn the electrical on and, and have no food. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I turned that over, it seemed like everything else I was saying, again, like you said, they weren't listening to it. They saw, ooh, big dollar. Look at, he can, act, look at the bank said you can buy this. I'm going to show mm-hmm. you this. And the fact that it was my money seemed to not, not resonate with anybody. Yeah. Like, cool. The bank said that I can, I can have this. I don't want it because I don't want to make that monthly payment. I want to be able to, to have a house that I live in. And then if I want to eat out dinner tonight, I can go buy a $20 burger, not a house that's like, okay, well, we bought this house now. We can't afford anything. Can't afford to turn the lights on, but we got the house. It felt like once I turned over that pre-approval, and that yep. dollar amount was on there. Mm-hmm. That's where I was getting guided to the whole time. Yep. And, you know, that's the unfortunate part. Uh, because I think, you know, like we talk about, it takes a team. You know, you have mm-hmm. um, real estate agents, you have attorneys, you have, you know, mortgage lenders or banks, um, you have inspectors. Then you have the seller side of things, you know, their whole team. And it does take a team for everyone And I always talk about assembling your team and it's about assembling people who are working for you, you know, Mm -hmm. working for you. And the beautiful part of people working for you is if you make a phone call, well, they should all be on the same page. Hey, um, is that a, is that an inspection coming? Let me find out. I'd rather someone tell me, let me find out then. Yeah, of course. And they've never spoke, spoken with the inspector or nothing like that. You know what I mean? Because guess what? You'll find out when you call your attorney, it always gets found out. My team was me. I ordered my own inspection. <laughs> I had to call my own attorney. I had to talk to the, the mortgage lender. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody was on the same page unless I put the information out everywhere. And it got to the point uh, where I had a group email going between everybody that did not include my realtor. <laughs> so I would email, I would email the lawyer, yep. the lender. There was actually one house that I was looking at that ended up falling apart because it was a short sale. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they couldn't sell it. But I was communicating with the seller's attorney and agent without talking to my agent. Right. And I mean, I know that they're not a fan of that, but I was like, I, I, I can't I can't get a straight answer. Um, but I want to I want to kick a question to you, if that's OK, because I know that I've been sitting here painting, painting kind of a, a dark picture. And a lot of it is my perception about the style of house that I was buying. Again, Mm -hmm. I know I was buying on the cheaper end of the spectrum. I know I don't deserve the same attention as somebody buying a $300,000, $400,000 house. Mm -hmm. But as a real estate agent, I want to give you an opportunity to defend what I'm saying here. How would you respond if I'm, if I'm voicing this to you and now I want to work with you moving forward. And I'm telling you right now, Nick Abari, next time I buy a house, 
I'm buying a house that has a profit margin because before COVID hit, I was looking to do it again. I looked at some houses. I just represented myself. I was like, yeah, I work with whoever the selling agent is. Mm -hmm. Um, And then hit pause because of COVID. But that still is as soon as the opportunity presents itself fresh in my mind. Mm -hmm. So if I come to you and I say, Nikabari, I want to buy a house. I know I'm going to be buying on the lower end of the spectrum because I'm looking for something that has a wide sweat equity gap for my investment. So I know I'm not going to be your top ticket buyer. Yeah. What would you say to me as if I'm asking you, do you want to represent me for this? You know, Brendan, I think it has less to do with what I would say to you because I want to, I want to talk about, um, you know, something, um, you know, when you mentioned that, you know, because you were buying at a lower price point, you know, that you wouldn't be as well taken care of as someone who's buying at a higher price point. You know, let's say you're buying at 50,000 and someone else's they're working with is buying us 300 at 300,000. There's no difference there. You know, the only difference is the client, you know, your needs are going to be different at your price point because if you're buying at a $50,000 price point, then you know there's work that's going to be done to the property. There's a certain type of property. It's in a certain area. You have certain or different interest towards that property. You know, mm-hmm. maybe maybe it's an investment property. Maybe, maybe it's a, a multi-unit property um, where you're looking to, you know, have it be rental income or you're looking to buy it and flip it. Your um, your goals and what your wants for that will be different. And someone else who's buying 300, at $300,000, their desires are going to be different. Perhaps it's a commercial property, you know, whatever, perhaps it's land, you know, the interests are different. But the way you conduct business with those two individuals is something that has to be the same, mm-hmm. you know, because you still have a goal. The person buying at $300,000 still has a goal. My job is to get you to your goal. Plain and simple. I don't text you less. I don't call you less. I don't email you less. I don't tell the people on, right. on you know, that would be on the team, like, hey, like, you know, if this guy emails you or calls you, you know, just get past it. Let it go to voicemail. You know, he's buying at a low price point. That's not going to do anything for us. There's two things that I was taught in real estate early on. Number one is don't get married to the money. And don't get married to the money to me. And it was said to me by uh, someone very, someone very intelligent, um, Maggie Knapp, if you're listening, shout out. Um, but she said to me, don't get married to the money. And basically what that means is if you start to see the dollar signs, then you'll forget the reason why you do what you do. And for me personally, yes, like I need money. I got bills, you know, I have a wife. We're about to have a, a kid in a couple months, um, you know, just like everybody else. You know, I'm in a profession of if I do my job, I should get, you know, I should get paid. Um, but I don't think about the money because I don't want any distractions from me to be able to achieve my my achieve my professional goal of being able to help someone because that's how I, that's why I got into the business. And a little bit of that don't get married to the money. How I think about it is, well, if I'm not thinking about the money. And I'm thinking about the people. I put them first. You know, I give them first class help. For, I put them on a, on a team with people that will be, um, you know, picking up their calls in the middle of the night, texting them back, emailing them back, like promptly. I do all of that and they get to close in their home. Well, 
my hard work is going to pay off and me getting paid for putting up that first class service. I mean, it's, right. it's stupid. Like I do, if I do my job, I will get paid, but I don't think about getting paid before I do my job. Right. No, you're hundred percent right. And that's why you're a much better real estate agent than I would be. Cause I'm sure everybody that's been listening to me so far can realize that I am about the money. That's, one of my biggest downfalls is, but it's okay for you I to be about the my, yeah, but but you're right. I mean, even because I gave the example earlier, I'm in sales, mm -hmm. and I do exactly what you just said you don't do. I do treat sales differently. Mm -hmm. If you're buying something and I'm not making much off of it, I'm not going to ignore you, but I am going to take care of that higher paying client faster. Yeah, because there's more at stake. Um, but uh, I mean, just just being honest with you, you're you're a better person than I am for that. You know, you make a good point though, because you know, sales is different from real estate um, to me, because I was in sales too, and you know, but that's that's that's, I guess you can say that's the atmosphere of sales. You know what I mean? Because you're in a company, and you know the the point of a company. Yeah, the point of a company is to make money. So if you're now in sales and in a company where you're supposed to meet the quota and, but where I feel real estate is different is in terms of money, you know, in terms of getting paid for what you do, it's not about that transaction because if you focus on one transaction, like, Oh, I got to get this money. Oh, I got to get this money. Then you miss the whole point because you're helping people and like you were saying, Brendan, you should be about the money because as a buyer, you're the one who's paying for that. You know, I help you and then I move on to help someone else. But mm -hmm. that doesn't mean our relationship goes amiss or, you know, like stop existing. You can always call me. Hey, Nekabari, like, you know, I know someone else who needs help or, you know, do you know a plumber? Do you know like a carpet guy? Do you know like a roofer? That relationship with a realtor is for life. And that's what I love about it. I can, you know, help you buy a house or help you sell a house and we can go like celebrate at your place, at your new house. And just having that relationship that goes furthermore is it's it's why it's important for me to be good at what I do and to be in this business. But, you know, unlike a sale, like a like a sale, um, unlike sales, you know, you're just making that sale. And once you do, then, you know, maybe you hand it over to like another team or whatnot, but you move on to the next one and it's about the dollar amount. But, you know, real estate is more of a relationship because you live in those neighborhoods, you see those people, you live in that city, you represent that community. And so you're, you're in it. You know what I mean? You're in it to win it. That was stupid. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you got, you're spot on, you're spot on because... I am looking at the whole process from just strictly a sales rep point of view. Mm -hmm. And I think now that we're talking about this out loud, I think that maybe just the real estate agents that I have worked with in the past probably are just looking at it as a sales position job, not as how you are, where you are your own brand, your own, you are the company. You're not the sales department. You are I'm going to help you sell the house. I'm going to help you buy the house. Mm -hmm. I'm going to help you get the correct resources for the house. So um, it's just a nice, nice perspective you put on it there. I think, I think I just ended up working with the folks that don't have that same view as you. I think I ended up working with the folks that treated it 
like I'm in a sales department and I have a quota to hit this month mm -hmm. and I got to hit this quota. So yeah, yeah you live and you learn. What are you going to do? And that happens, you know, that can happen in any industry at any point in time. And, you know, I think you took the, the, the good route of, you know, realizing that, hey, these people aren't out to like put me first and help me achieve what I'm trying to achieve. And you just took it, you know, you, you took things into your own hands. Like I said, like that couldn't have been me. Like I would have just like left a long time ago, you know, any sort of like if I get bad service anywhere, first of all, I think that people in customer service, they should like what they do because oh, yeah. if not, then don't be in customer service because we all can see it. It's like when you go up to, to someone who's, you know, at any position in a customer service position and you're like, Hey, how you doing? And they're like, how can I help you? I'm like, you know, that's cold to me. That yeah, that's cold to me. Like yeah. I've been in customer service all my life and maybe it's my personality, but I love talking to people. I would just go to the bank and I would strike up a conversation and just tell them about my weekend and I don't care if they <laughs> care to know about it. But I'm just like, you know, you're we're in a position of a conversation. We're in a position of friendliness, you know. It's customer service, you know? And it goes beyond the product. Because for me to continue to come back for that product, I have to get good service. Who goes right. to a mechanic and, you know, they get their car messed up and then they want to go back the next day or recommend that mechanic to anybody else? Nobody. But if I go to my mechanic, I've been going to my mechanic for like years and they're friendly. They ask me about my life. They, you know, they know my wife's car. They know my car. It, why wouldn't, you know, there's a piece of no me there now. Yeah. No reason. There's a piece of me there now. And real estate is no different where I feel like real estate is more, you know, it's it's a deeper level of of relationship than, you know, with my mechanic, because I spend time looking at houses with people. I get to know their lives. I get to know, you know, their wants and needs. I get to know why they're making they're looking to buy a house or sell a house. And that's that's, you know, they're allowing me into their life. So why wouldn't I embrace that? It's the relationship. Um, so I'm sorry that you didn't get to have that relationship. No, that's okay. That's all right. Because I'm a firm believer. Everything happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the reason is I make stupid decisions, but everything happens for a reason. And there's no point in throwing a fit about it. That's what embrace the suck is. It sucked. Find a way to get through it. Find a way to learn from it. Look so, at you finding ways to plug yourself. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, hopefully there's gotta be other people that are in the same situation. Um, mm -hmm. I'm really happy that we reconnected because talking to you today and the other day when we did the podcast really has changed my outlook on real estate agents. Like I said, before COVID hit, I was looking to buy another house and I was going to open houses or just calling listing agents and say, Hey, I see this house for sale. And they're like, okay, who's the agent you're working with? Nobody. If I buy it, I'll just, I'll work directly with you. If you're the selling agent, mm -hmm. they're always like really thrown off and they'd ask why. Like, cause I just, I don't want to deal with anybody else. So I was very closed off again. I'm, I'm real happy that we reconnected cause you are breaking me out of that closed minded shell that, that I built there for a while. You know, you're exactly right. Um, with your plug, you know, we're embracing the suck of, you know, sometimes working with really crappy real estate agents and you have every right to feel the way you do. And I think, you know, people might be listening to this, like, and other realtors might be looking at listening to this and saying, well, he's a realtor. Like, why is he putting realtors down? And they 
are completely missing the point. Yeah, I'm going to put down every realtor that's not holding, you know, like that, that they're not, not treating. The yeah, they're not yeah. holding up the standard. You know, I like to think that the most important thing to me is having that relationship because through that relationship, I can know how I would treat them. I would know how I can treat the client. You know, if it's a divorce situation, if they're just about to have kids, you know, if they're too single, like whatever dynamic may be. I know how to treat them if they don't want me calling them past a certain time, if they only want to respond by text messages, if they prefer like snail mail or fax, <laughs> I know how to treat them because I'm in the relationship with them. And so, yeah, this episode is not about, you know, we're harping on real estate agents or whatever, but we are, if they're not doing their job, if they're not putting a client first, we really are. Yeah, no, that's perfect way to, to tie it up. And I think the best thing that you said that I pulled out of this is real, is real estate is not sales. Nope. I think that's the biggest misconception that I had until you just dropped that line on me where, and you're completely right. It's not sales. You're not just working it for a transaction. You sign here, sign here. You need this piece of paper. Here's my commission. Yep. You, you truly are building a relationship, getting to know the person, understanding why do you want land? Why do you want a ranch home as opposed to a split level and, and really understanding the needs and wants of the family and then being there for them after the sale. That's the biggest part Yep. because you're not the type of person um, that gets the commission check and runs away. And I don't care what anybody says, you can smell that a mile away and you will never look at the, the person the same way again. Mm -hmm. If you got your commission check and then I never heard from you until it was time to potentially get another commission check. Yeah. Yep. I recognize that. Yep. You're the complete opposite of that. That's huge. Yeah. I mean, people know, people see, and everyone on the team is going to see as well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is, I, I really have enjoyed this conversation. I didn't expect it to be anything like this, but Brandon, I really have enjoyed it because, you know, you have every, you know, I love all the information you were able to, to share with us today and share with me because, you know, these are things that I didn't know. And, but the information is, you know, for listeners out there, whether you're a real estate agent, you're a buyer or a seller or anybody else as part of the team. You know, the information is for you to essentially like make sure that everyone is doing their part on the team because it does take a team. You know, make sure everyone is doing their part and make sure that you're also doing your part. <laughs> Absolutely. <clears throat> yeah, I'd love to come back on and talk about about uh, trying to get that that magical deal where you can get that sweat equity. Um, but again, thank you for having me on and thank you for, for dropping the knowledge on me. Because like I said, I, I'm thinking about, I have been thinking about the real estate agent role incorrectly for the longest time. I've been treating it as another sales role. And mm -hmm. that's a dishonor and a disservice to the folks like you and the other real estate agents out there that are extremely professional and are building that long-term relationship. So again, I do appreciate you holding me accountable for that and, and cracking me out of that. But it's been a blast chatting. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for your time, Branding. And till next time. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to rate this podcast and subscribe. If you would like to feature on the Real Talk Real Tour podcast, drop me a line. I'd love to hear from you. My name is Nekabari Tour, the Real Tour, and I'll see you in the next one.